Hi, everyone. This is Aaron Larson, executive editor of Power Magazine, and you're listening to the Power Podcast. On today's episode, I'm joined by Aryan Stam. He is the director of system operations with Oleander, which is an energy network company, and he's also a member of the LF Energy Governing Board. I'm also joined by Lucian Balea. He is the R&D Program Director and Open Source Manager at RTE, and he is a board chair of LF Energy. So, gentlemen, thank you both for joining me. And, Aryan, why don't you please uh, tell a little bit about yourself and, and Aliander, and then we'll go to Lucian after that. Yes, uh, yes, I will. Um, yeah, Aliander is, an, um, is a, a DSO, a distribution system uh, operator, uh, located in the Netherlands. It's the biggest DSO uh, in the Netherlands. There are actually three big uh, DSOs in, in the Netherlands. We have uh, three million uh, customers. And we supply uh, like uh, 25,000 uh, companies uh, uh, with uh, with electricity. We also have a gas uh, network, uh, but that's not the topic uh, here, of course, but that's also uh, something we do. And geographically, we surface uh, approximately one third of, uh, of the Netherlands. And then maybe a bit about my uh, about myself. I'm working uh, for 12 years uh, at Alioma. I uh, have a background in IT. I worked at uh, Accenture before and also at KLM. Uh, when I started at uh, Aliander, well, we, we were really focusing on, uh, on, a, on an asset management capability. And um, well, since the last five years, we are transforming to a system operator. And I'm, uh, I'm the lucky guy who uh, can do a, a lot of work on... Uh, on building, especially the system operations uh, capability. Thank you, Arjen. Uh, Lucian, why don't you tell a little bit about yourself and, and what you do with RTE? Yeah, so hello, everybody. It's a, it's a pleasure to be here. So I'm with RTE, RTE the um, TSO, the Transmission System Operator in France. So the company operates, maintains, and, and develops the uh, high and extra high grid I- infrastructure. Three years ago, um, RTE decided to uh, embrace open source to, to shift towards open source, and it started with um, with a partnership with the Linux Foundation to to form uh, LF Energy. And um, the motivation of that um, is, is related to um, several challenges that uh, we have to face, uh, which. Uh, uh, come from several things. So, um, first of all, the development of uh, distributed renewable energy uh, generation that is needed to meet uh, uh, the energy transition goals and objectives. And um, this will require new solutions to, to, to cope with the more distributed uh, energy resources that is not fully predictable. Um, that is dependent on uh, different physical laws compared to conventional generation, etc. We also have to, to face other changes. So, for instance, TSOs and DSOs have to meet um, high societal expectations of a reliable uh, power supply. And, and uh, in our digital uh, economies, this becomes more and more important. And at the same time, our, our uh, grid infrastructure is... Um, 
with aging and which puts high stakes on, on maintenance optimization. So all these drivers push in different directions and we have a, an inflating digitalization roadmap that is confronted to, to all those challenges. And and three years ago, so I was um, working as a R&D program director uh, dealing with with other other topics and um, had the opportunity to to look at open source and uh, uh, this uh, became obvious to me and, and to, to the company that um, this model would be a solution to 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 solve our challenges. So from that point, I I, I started to take the role of a open source program officer at RT, and that's my main responsibility today. That's interesting. And I guess that's kind of the topic of discussion that I wanted to get into is open source technology and what you're using it for and, and what it really means. Uh, what sort of applications are you uh, using it to manage and, and how does it work? So basically, when we talk about open source for um, our software application, we talk about open source for our core business software applications. So we are not talking about um, general apps uh, at the periphery of the uh, of our business activities. So uh, what we need to transform and to adapt is our core business applications and. Um, we uh, it's quite obvious uh, what we need to do at at RT is similar to what uh, other uh, transmission system operators in Europe, but also distribution system operators in Europe have to have to do. So we have a, a common needs, and there is um, there is a strong incentive for 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 collaboration around these topics. So. Um, Maybe being more specific, we are talking about applications that would uh, help assist the grid operators in operational control rooms to um, manage the power system in real time. We are talking about applications that help us to simulate the behavior of the power system to make sure that we can uh, operate it in, under the safe conditions. Uh, we are uh, talking about uh, applications that would um, increase the automation of the power grid so that the, the grid can react uh, automatically in an optimized manner to, to various hazards. And by doing so, we can increase the capability of the grid to, to, to cope with uh, higher amounts of uh, renewable infeed etc. Hmm. Aryan, can you explain kind of what Aliander is doing with open source technology and how it's helping you uh, in your applications? Yeah, definitely. Uh, so the, the position from a DSO is slightly different, I think, than from a DSO, especially when you look at system operations, managing energy flows in your grid. Uh, historically, the TSO has already quite some experience in doing that uh, with uh, with large energy markets and market players and uh, getting control of uh, of the energy uh, system on their higher voltage level. For the DSO, that is quite a new quite a new area uh, to develop capabilities in. Uh, I don't think there are that much DSOs in the world 
that do active system operations. So for DSO, it's also very difficult to uh, to, to learn basically uh, that uh, and build this capability. Uh, you need uh, it's really helpful if you can find an example uh, that you can uh, use uh, to build uh, this new capability. So for me and for Aliander, it was important to find some sort of reference uh, that we could use to build this uh, capability uh, and not going in the wrong direction right? because the, the speed of change is very high. Um, so uh, yes, we can iterate on direction, but we can't deviate too much uh, because then it takes too much time to uh, to repair that uh, that uh, direction, uh, the wrong direction. So what helped uh, Aliander was basically uh, what we did at at, uh, at the Linux Foundation Energy is we created a common language of what we had to do uh, and of our core capabilities. Uh, so although a TSO and a DSO are in character quite different companies with quite different focuses until now, if we if we define it functionally, you can find the functional architecture on the website. Then you see we do the same things. So from a capability perspective, we do all uh, more or less the same things. Only the implementation is different, and that helped us a lot eh? when we made were uh, able to create that bridge. Um, it opened uh, the doors to collaborate uh, actually over to any topic. Uh, so that was one of the things that helped us, uh, or that open source helped us with, uh, in starting off with, uh, in especially our systems uh, systems operations uh, capability. And secondly, uh, because starting off, uh, we yeah we also had a sort of empty shell that we had to uh, to fill uh, new uh, functionalities in, uh, and so system operations capabilities. Um, yeah, we needed also new applications and also the knowledge you need and uh, standardization you need and interoperability you need. Uh, the best way to, uh, to, yeah, to build that and to create that is with other uh, parties that have the same challenges. And that's what we uh, found in, uh, in working with, uh, with OpenSource. So it delivered us quite, quite a lot. I don't know if your grids uh, have any interconnections between them, between the RTE and the Oleander grid, but if there are, does having open source technology used in both systems help in any way to coordinate between the two grids? Yes, it, well, uh, RTE and Oleander don't have uh, an immediate interconnection, but there are, uh, if you look per country uh, in, the, in, the, in Europe, it, it's uh, still uh, organized per country. Uh, so in the Netherlands, we also have a TSO. It's called Tenet. Um, and there is a, indeed a connection between Tenet and Aliander um, uh, that's being created uh, uh, with with an application that uh, was uh, built by Tenet. And it's actually used for balancing the grid uh, by the TSO uh, with the help uh, of using uh, charging stations in the low voltage grid, and that actually gives an interconnection between uh, the DSO and the TSO that needs coordination. And uh, and on that uh, area, uh, we started developing uh, an open source interface uh, that could uh, the, on which we could share information 
because it's necessary uh, to avoid problems uh, in each other's grid. Uh, because if tennis start balancing in the lower voltage grid and it is uh, coordinating uh, the charging stations, it could lead to congestion problems in our grid. So creating problems in our grid and solving problems in the TSR grids. And that's what we uh, need coordination on in order to avoid that. Hmm. So yeah, that's happening. Lucian, can you uh, talk about whether open source is helping you when working with others outside of RTE? Yeah, in, in, indeed, I, I fully share what Arian said. So um, the advantage of open source is that you can work in a community beyond the boundaries of the company. And um, the future solution that we need will require the, the interoperability beyond the boundaries of, of the company. So it can be with uh, other transmission, neighboring transmission system operators in Europe. It can also be with the uh, distribution system operators uh, or even with um, other utilities, uh, generators, etc. so that we can um, implement processes that coordinate all those parties. And um, ha having open source, uh, is it this because you can easily uh, cooperate with with this with these stakeholders ensure each party can ensure that the solution that is developed jointly works well with its own uh, legacy infrastructure legacy uh, information system uh, and that's much more di difficult and then also what it, what is interesting is that it's uh, it does not create an unbalanced situation among the stakeholders. So we are, we are not saying that uh, everybody should uh, apply our solution or that we should apply uh, uh, the solution from another party. It's, 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 a joint, uh, it's a joint work. The U.S. obviously has kind of a complicated grid with many different RTOs and ISOs and power companies all working together, but I, I think it's probably even more complicated in Europe so are there certain countries that are hesitant to join these open source communities and, and what sort of myths are holding them back or preventing them from using open source technology? Um, so I would not make a, a differentiation per, per country, but rather per uh, kind of uh, uh, participant or, or, or partner. Both Ariander and RT are uh, end users of uh, technologies for for their for their business for for the grid operations, and um, it's not the same approach if you are an end user or if you are a technology vendor, for instance. So there there, there are um, there are several challenges. I would see two main challenges. Which, which are on one side, there is a, a cultural transformation to work uh, with open source, and the, the, on the other hand, there is a business model transformation. Uh, starting with a business model transformation, this is maybe for us as, as grid operators, is a rather easy step because we, we are not selling software. So, so. Uh, but we acknowledge that. For the technology vendors and IT companies that we would like to to onboard in our collaboration, that uh, this might be a, a bit more 
challenging to shift from from an activity where 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 you 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 sell a product that you develop in house and to a situation where you collaborate on open source technology stacks and then you package them into applications and sell services. So this is a, a first uh, this business model uh, transformation is the first challenge and then the, the cultural transformation is an important one and this one is also applicable to us. In a nutshell, to describe the transformation, we, we need to, to move from a, some kind of control and forbid mindset that we have in the traditional approach where uh, uh, we have contractual frameworks that um, block a lot of initiatives and are there to control that uh, anything is used uh, within the boundaries of what are, are, has been foreseen and that everyone has a, a word to say if, if we want to, to deviate. And we have to, to move from this mindset to a, a mindset in open source that is based on motivation and enablement. So there is a um, lot of openness Everybody can join or leave a collaboration. Participation is, is free uh, uh, based on the interest of each party. And, and uh, open source licenses are, are very permissive in terms of usage, in terms of, of, of redistribution. People need to understand that we need to, to unlock control in order to uh, accelerate innovation, in order to unleash innovation. Uh, and that's uh, that's part of the of the cultural transformation. Uh, also important to mention in that respect is that um, uh, open source brings transparency, and um, we need to acknowledge that uh, sharing brings value. For instance, we, by being transparent, we, uh, it helps diffusion of uh, information that that can create uh, unexpected opportunities. For instance, uh, when we started the shift towards open source uh, three years ago, at that time we had not identified that uh, our main partner in this uh, journey would be uh, Aliander, DSO in the Netherlands. You know, that, that, that was unforeseen and unexpected. So these kind of unexpected opportunities are facilitated if there is openness and transparency. We also have to acknowledge that um, bringing a diversity of viewpoints mitigates the risk of doing things wrong. Of course, it complicates the process. If, if you are the only one decided, easier to, to, to make the first step. But deciding jointly, of course, may complicate the first step, but in the long run, it can bring to, to safer places because we have various points of view, we have taken into account various competencies, etc. So this is an important transformation. Um, also internally, we, 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 we have to make this cultural shift. Hmm. Aryan, have you got anything to add to that? Yeah, I agree with uh, Lucian. It's quite a, quite a challenge uh, to incorporate the open source into uh, the, your, your standard way of working uh, and the, also the mindset, to adopt the mindset into the DSO. So historically and culturally spoke, spoken, the DSO, uh, if I talk about uh, Leander, uh, well, was, was a bit closed and not so, not so much open. And uh, also the idea of 
doing uh, development collectively and making yourself dependent on uh, on an uh, on a sort of generic entity that helps you build your core capabilities feel uh, felt a bit uh, uncomfortable in the beginning uh, but it, it it also takes uh, a bit of time and uh, a long breath uh, to show uh, internally that it could work uh, and that it really adds the value. Uh, like uh, Lucien said, if, if you share and you build uh, collectively on the same capabilities, you build knowledge, you also motivate people and you start slowly working on a much more open culture. And that's what I'm also noticing uh, at, uh, at Aleoma that's happening. So it's, uh, it's really motivating people. And it's also uh, making it more easy over time by every little step we make now to make ourselves uh, more dependent on, on open source and communities. Uh, because that's in the end what you need to make the communities and the whole uh, open source proposition, especially at the LF, uh, LFE, to make that work. So I've heard that open source can be a solution to the, the climate crisis and it can help advance innovation globally. Can you explain how that happens and, and how it can help uh, solve the climate crisis? What what advantages does it to offer in that area? Yeah, so if I look at, uh, at Oriola, uh, so what we see happening in uh, the world, Europe, uh, is a lot of electrification and uh, gaining a lot of new re renewables, for, uh, especially also at, uh, at the lower end of, uh, of, of the grid. And the interesting thing is that uh, if we don't add intelligence to what's happening in the grid, we limit ourselves in using the grid optimally. That's basically what's happening. So if I look at on the other, I see that uh, we have in general approximately 30% uh, capacity free in in our cable cables uh, standardly, wh whereas we also do not connect at certain points in the grid uh, customers anymore because there's no capacity available, mm. and that's uh, that's a bit counterintuitive. But the point is, the uh, capacity that is still available in the grid can only be made available with uh, uh, smart systems. Uh, so you uh, really have to. Uh, determine the profiles and the conditions under which you can make the capacity available. And then uh, we can speed up uh, the electrification and connect more customers uh, with uh, that want to uh, connect uh, renewables uh, to the grid. And in order to do so, uh, we need really quite specialized applications that are not yet really available in the market. So if we team up with the same need of uh, connecting customers and uh, making more electrons available in the grid. So then, then we can do that. And that's actually what's happening uh, at, uh, uh, in open source, actually, uh, in order to speed up the, uh, the energy transition. Lucian, do you have anything to add? In a nutshell, open source has to be seen as an accelerator. Uh, and uh, that's the lesson that we learned from the experience of other industries. So for instance, uh, the reason why uh, uh, cloud services developed so fast is that it's because they they relied on open source collaborations to, to build the, 
the technology uh, uh, very fast and, and the technology that scaled at, at this level. So um, in LF Energy, we, we apply this uh, open source acceleration level to, to a great cause that is the energy transition. And uh, if, if we look at the project that we have, uh, they are all guided by the, the needs to uh, to adapt to a future uh, energy system that that will have to to cope with a high share of distributed renewable energy sources with the with the electrification of mobility uh, etc so so can either of you speak to projects that are being tackled by LF energy you know you both are heavily involved in the group and what what are they working on currently that would improve the open source technology and, and meet some of these climate and energy challenges? So th there is a wide uh, range of projects and it's uh, uh, growing uh, continuously uh, uh, depending on new members uh, uh, joining the, the initiative. Um, so we have um, a project that uh, address the needs of uh, distribution system operators and uh, transmission system operators uh, to to help them to operate in in real time the grid uh, with with a higher share of renewable energy sources uh, or projects dealing with um, a new generation of uh, automation systems that will be more um, flexible, scalable that could be deployed in an uh, easy manner so that they can fit uh, the specific needs of the grid. And for instance, the, the needs may not be the same tomorrow between uh, uh, an area of the grid where uh, you will have a high share of uh, wind power developing there or, or, or photovoltaic generation or another part of the grid where um, elef uh, electric mobility will grow so that uh, we need to supply uh, the charging of, of, of the batteries. We, we also have uh, projects related to microgrid uh, applications. So diversity uh, there, it's uh, only the start, so it's, it's emerging. We don't have uh, the, the whole picture uh, yet, uh, but um, uh, we, we have uh, very important uh, pieces uh, uh, for, 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 for our business tomorrow. Arian, have you anything to add? Uh, I think uh, the portfolio uh, Lucian describes is going to cover uh, the whole uh, architecture we design for, uh, for the TSO or the DSO. Slowly we start building on each of the capabilities with, uh, with systems and uh, collaboration. One uh, where you asked also about something uh, valuable. Um, one of the projects we're starting on is uh, on the grid capacity map, for example. That uh, that's what we do with Photonfall uh, and uh, Microsoft in order to uh, uh, to make visible uh, also not only open in open source, but also opening ourselves what's available on capacity within the grid or what is actually the status of the condition from an uh, energy perspective of the grid. Uh, and that's also something I think is very valuable. 
uh, that we're working on. That's one of the projects that uh, really comes to my mind. What can organizations who want to participate in the collaboration do to become part of the, uh, the this open source technology collaboration? We see different things. We see much more people from DSOs and TSOs getting more curious about what's happening uh, on open on, in the open source area of uh, of energy. Um, so uh, what I notice is there that I talk to people that have uh, at least looked at the LFE website, uh, ask questions about the different projects, and uh, sometimes they have uh, downloaded the code and uh, uh, tried how it could fit into their uh, into their architecture. So that's that's one way. Uh, so really using it, but we also see a, a lot of pickup now in interest in collaborating, so building uh, together. And the steps uh, are, uh, in order to get involved, actually, I think the threshold is quite low uh, because at all times you can join the discussions we have because they're open and accessible. And uh, if you really have an ambition in uh, creating the whole infrastructure and building the TSO and the tech and the DSO, but then for the digital future and want to launch projects yourself, uh, you can really join uh, the, the Linux Foundation uh, Energy and uh, start your own project and uh, and collaborate with uh, other members and and, uh, and users. Is there any payback for the people that are? Participating, I mean, can they make any money actually developing and, and creating this open source code and, and technology? I think there are different sourcing models uh, that you can think of uh, when working on uh, on open source. Uh, so when I look at uh, Aliander, how we do it, is the people that are working on digitization within Aliander uh, are also made available for working collectively, for example, with ATE or Fatafall or any other and on any other project. Uh, but there's also a possibility, of course, that uh, one of the companies start paying developers to contribute to each of the projects. That's also a possibility. Uh, because uh, a TSO or DSO typically have uh, different strategies sometimes to how to deal with software. So, uh, for example, uh, at Aliander, we decided to build uh, our core uh, applications, eh? like uh, like Lucien mentioned, also for IT. But some of the DSOs, TSOs have a more a buying strategy. Uh, and also for uh, them to make it possible to uh, to join and to participate in open source, these, are, these methods of uh, sourcing developers uh, from a, uh, from any commercial company that contribute to an open source project uh, could work perfectly well. Is there anything else you'd like to share before we wrap up the podcast? Well, fr from my side, uh, maybe uh, an invitation to uh, to join uh, to join us, and uh, as as Arian uh, said, so there, there can be involvement uh, at various level. Uh, from uh, user of the technologies that have been uh, developed there and providing feedback on the needs 
to a contributor as software developer involved as a company in LFL Energy as, as a, a strategic level uh, to influence the direction and uh, uh, work with us on defining, uh, let's say, the, the priorities that we have to tackle um, in the in the next months and years in order to, to achieve this, uh, this big challenge. All right. Thanks, Lucian. Uh, Ariane, anything to leave us with? Yeah, I hope uh, that, uh, like Lucian, that uh, more people uh, start to join uh, LFE because what I notice is that it really helps to create uh, some sort of reference uh, understanding of the complexity of what we have to do for the energy transition and making uh, the decarbonization uh, work, but also uh, to have a mutual understanding uh, and also a capability of gaining the speed we need to realize that. And uh, then it helps to uh, have discussions with people from all over the world and see the uh, the, the massive challenge we have to uh, we are facing and we have to solve uh, with, together. Thank you both for your time and I appreciate the information that you shared and I look forward to following the open source technology and seeing how it progresses uh, in the coming years. So thank you both. Thank you for the invitation. Thank you.